Hey friends, welcome to Living in His Purpose podcast, where we recognize that in God's purpose, He has the perfect spot for you. If you're a Christian woman and you're feeling overwhelmed and anxious by this rat race way of life and you're ready to find simplicity God's way, you're in the right spot. By replacing negative mindsets and habits with God's word, we're going to give Holy Spirit permission to come in and help us walk bravely in this upside down world. These are not easy things to face, sweet friend. You're going to have to put on your big girl pants. So pull them up, grab a drink, and let's get going. Hey friends, woohoo! We are on episode three and the ball is now rolling. Last time I mentioned to you that before I started sharing all the goodies in my noggin, I wanted to develop some groundwork. And today is going to be the last part of that. Have you ever learned a new concept and wondered why it took you so long to know this really helpful piece of information? That's how I felt last year when I was listening to a podcast and the speaker was talking about how we function as a whole person. And it goes something like this. There are three parts of us, our body, our soul, and our spirit. Mind blown. Why did I not understand this simplification before? And kudos to you if you already understand this. I have no idea why it's taken me so long. So this transformed my thought processes. It can easily explain verses in the Bible that have given me so much consternation, like why I don't do what I should do and do what I should not do. And it explains as a Christian this inner turmoil to feel pulled to do the wrong thing, even when I really want to do the right thing. It helps me understand how Holy Spirit works in me, how God is able to do things inside of me, how he makes me alive even though my body's dying and how he can talk to me. Here's another side note for you. I want to tell you that any information that I share in this podcast will be as factual and honest as I know how to be. I'll do my best to research these ideas and give you all sides of it. And remember, I really want to educate you, not just fill you up with useless information that may or may not be true. Okay, let's proceed. So now I have this new thought process and I'm looking at all the information and knowledge that I have and I'm applying it all to this new principle that I now have discovered. It's allowing me to develop a new paradigm, a new mindset, and it is so, so helpful. I now feel like I understand my brain and my thoughts and my whole self in a more organized fashion and I'm loving it. About the same time that I'm learning and applying this new mindset, I decided to start listening to a podcast called A History of Christian Theology. I really recommend this podcast if you're interested in learning about the early church, but it's not for the faint of heart. (laughs) These three guys who sit and talk about hard things are really intelligent, and you have to listen intently to get what they say, unless you are a philosophy or theology major, I suppose. One thing they talk about was this view that the early church fathers had, this view of trichotomy and dichotomy of personhood. I don't believe in coincidences. I believe that because I have specifically asked the Lord on multiple occasions to show me what he would have me learn every day, if I just keep my ears and my eyes open, he's going to teach me. So now I've learned this three-in-one principle, and now I've heard it is actually stated as an actual working theological view. And how cool was that for God to show up for me like that? I had it in my mind. I was going to pop on here real quick and pass this thought process on to you, but God has another plan. I take seriously all I'm going to talk about on this podcast, and sometimes we're going to talk about things I believe 
that you may totally disagree with, and that's completely fine. There are issues that are of primary concern as a Christian and others that are secondary concerns. And what do I mean by that? Well, topics like the Trinity, salvation by faith alone, Christ's substitutionary atonement, the virgin birth, the sinlessness of Christ, his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and future bodily return are primary issues. These are things we can't fudge on. If you don't believe these things, you cannot call yourself a Christian. And then there are many, many secondary issues like how often you take communion, how are you baptized, young earth versus old earth, women's role in the church, your end of times views, etc., These are all secondary issues, and this theological view of trichotomy is a secondary issue. And with secondary issues, we acknowledge the differences that we may have in love and then move on. Critical thinking has become a lost art in our society, and as Christians, we need to get better in this area, and that's in my humble opinion. And I believe God has me doing this podcast to help myself and others learn hard things and be firm in what we do know. There are ways as Christians that we can share with people right where they are. But you have to have a deep understanding of these things first before you can go out and have good conversations with people. Let me tell you, they are starved for the truth, for knowledge. So let's feed them a steak, not cream corn. I do apologize ahead of time if I offend any vegans. I am a meat eater. Okay, let's move on. So before I put this together, I wanted to find the source of this theological view and tell you a more intelligent way of how it all works. So I did what we all do when we want to be smart, and I googled it. (laughs) It turns out there are a lot of opinions about this theory out there and some opposition to the view that I hold now. And because I want to be in the Lord's favor every moment I'm breathing— And if I'm being honest, I started to panic. What if what I'm thinking is wrong? I don't want to have a viewpoint that's not biblical. So I had to do a little more digging on this topic than I had anticipated. But that's okay. It's good for my brain. And it will help develop stronger reasoning behind why I think the way I do. And I'll be strengthened by my critical thinking skills. Okay, here we go. In Christian theology, there are two views about what makes up a person. First, there is the tripartite view, or trichotomy. It sees humankind as composed of three distinct components, our body, our soul, and our spirit. The contrasting view in Christianity is called the bipartite view, or dichotomy, which sees humankind as made up of two aspects, body and soul or spirit. Basically, they see that the soul and spirit are used interchangeably in the Bible. And I just want you to be aware that there's a difference and that there are opposing views. I've selected some articles about them and attached them to the show notes if you're interested in that. Well, I have fallen into this trichotomy camp. It gives me language to understand how in this one body I can be divided and how God can work in me even though I'm resistant at times. And most importantly, it has shown me how the work is from him and not me so that I cannot boast. It puts so many different verses in context. It's really unbelievably helpful if you think about it. So why do you need to know this? Good question. First of all, anytime you can learn more about God's word and how it can be applied, 
it's a good day. Second, I'm going to be using this language from here on out while talking to you and you really need to know what I'm saying and the why behind it. Here's my disclaimer. Please do not blindly follow me or anyone for that matter without learning all the facts. Okay, so let's take a cursory look at what the Bible says. These two passages are used by most to establish that we are made up of a spirit, soul, and body, or the trichotomy view. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. And then second, in Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So here are the three parts of us. First is the body, which consists of all of our senses. It's touching the material world. And I don't think too many people probably struggle with that concept. The second part is the soul. The soul is made up of a lot of things. It's a big container for a lot of what we're aware of, like our will, our thoughts, our mind, our emotions, our imagination, and our conscience. The third part, it's a little harder to define, but we can see this as the part of us that gives us the ability to discern the word of God. Here is where we have fellowship with God, where we can hear God speaking to us the avenue by which God is working in us. Here is where we worship. We have our faith and our hope, our reverence and our prayer. It's the place where regeneration is first taking place. Now, all of this communication with the Lord only can come after we have heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and made the decision to make Jesus our Lord and Savior. So what happens before we become saved? Well, here's a quote that I ran across that was very helpful to me. In his unfallen state, the spirit of man was illuminated from heaven. This is Adam and Eve before the fall. But when the human race fell in Adam, sin closed the window of the spirit, pulled down the curtain, and the chamber of the spirit became a death chamber and remains so in every unregenerate heart until the life and light-giving power of the Holy Spirit floods that chamber with the light and life-giving power of the new life in Christ Jesus. Wow, how many verses went through your mind as I was saying all that? A lot, right? It's pretty overwhelming. But I love how God gives us these revelations at times so we can put these hard thoughts into words, and I'm excited about it. However, our human spirit is limited to the things of man. If we want to know about the things of God, our dead and dormant spirit is not able to know them. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says the natural man can't receive these truths from the Spirit of God. It all sounds foolish to him, and he can't understand it. The human spirit sits quietly in the dark until there's a spark. The spark is what flips the switch, and we become able to understand the things of God. Man's spiritual nature must be renewed before there's a true conception of godliness. Before we can even understand what God is about, we have to have something happen in us. Now, there's only one thing that stands at the door of our spirit, and that is our own free will. When we make the decision to surrender ourselves to God, Holy Spirit takes up residence in the spirit of man. 
That is the spark that changes our destiny in a very literal sense. Paul says in Romans 8, 16, For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. You see, it's a spiritual thing, and it's a godly thing that we can't see until our spirit is opened up. But in order for that to happen, we need to yield our will to the spirit of God so that he can renew our human spirit. The deep things of God are never going to be understood by the world outside of Christ. And Paul testifies in Romans 1.9, God whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son. And in John 4.24, Jesus says, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in in spirit and in truth. So how does this work? Okay, the soul of man, that is his affections, his desires, are never directed towards God until after his spirit has become regenerated. Man can never love God or the things of God until he is born from above. He may have a troubled conscience or be stirred emotionally and he can weep bitterly, but he still remains dead in his trespasses and in his sin. So what's the difference between your soul and your spirit then? All people have a soul and the different aspects of our soul can either save God or serve God, I'm sorry, or give in to sin. All people have a spirit. However, the spirit is a higher faculty, but it only comes alive when a person becomes a Christian. In Romans 8.10, Paul says, But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. The Spirit is the part of the body that most directly worships and prays to God. And we can see that in John 4.24 and Philippians 3.3. When we are born, we have our spirit, but we don't have the Holy Spirit of God in us. Our spirit is shriveled up and dead. Because of Adam's transgression and because of his disobedience, we inherited his sinful nature. And in order to be saved, our spirit has to be reborn. Think about in John chapter 3, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he's telling him, you have to be born again. You have to be reborn. And what was he talking about? A spiritual rebirth. Now, the body and the soul of the unsaved man and woman are bonded to the dead spirit in this present world. And when this world's physical and spiritual components, including death, are cast into the lake of fire, which we read about in Revelation, those souls, whether they're living or already dead, are going to die with them. You can't change yourself from this nature. Only God can change you. If you accept his gift of salvation by his grace, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's actually something happening when you're saved. When we're baptized or talking about baptism, we talk about being raised from the dead like Christ, and we're using it as an analogy. But there's something actually happening in our spirit our spirit is being raised from the dead, being made alive in Christ, so we can develop a mind of Christ and a heart of Christ through the continual act of sanctification. So if you made a true confession and conversion, you're going to notice some changes in how you think. You're going to find that your heart, i.e. your soul, grows more and more in agreement with God and his law, which is all spiritual. But you're going to have that wrestling going on with your flesh and even your soul. 
they still want us to go the way of the world. All true born-again Christians kind of have a split personality. Sin still happens along your path of Christian growth. Paul sums it up quite well in the book of Romans where he says, I have discovered this principle in life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable man I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's Romans 7, 21 to 25. What happens after we accept Jesus in our hearts? Well, at this current time and space, your soul is saved. But your flesh, your present physical body is still dead and cannot be salvaged. It's going to perish and it's going to go back into the earth. But don't worry, you get a new body later. And now, and also in regards to our body, let me just read Romans 8.11 because it's really powerful. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. So not only is God able to regenerate our souls, he is able to regenerate our bodies. And thank you, Jesus. <laughs> your present flesh is still going to do the things that are not lawful. While at the same time, your heart and your spirit are going to condemn those thoughts and feelings and empower you to avoid temptation. But no Christian is perfect in the flesh. And as you go through this life, you will sometimes give in to those feelings. I could go on and on to explain to you why I am a believer in this trichotomy view. But really, here's the bottom line. We, in our fragile, emotional, willful, selfish states, have a really hard time changing our mindsets. But God can. And using this three-in-one view to help clarify things, we can see in scripture that we will have more faith in the work of God. It helps me to see that the Bible verse that tells me that Jesus is the author and finisher of my faith can actually be true because he has an avenue to give me that faith. Now, whether I'm going to trust and believe my Redeemer is up to my mind, my soul, my will, my emotions, but he's there in my spirit working nonetheless. And this is why Bible reading is absolutely essential. The main way God talks to us is through what we conveniently call his word. <laughs> the power of the word can divide our souls and our spirits. It can show us where we need to make changes for the Lord. And this is what we call sanctification. It's a process that we go through until we die. We can use the word to fill our spirit with the spirit of God so that our spirit can show our mind what's possible. We have a real way to say to our spirit, rise up and lead my soul and my body. One of the opposing reasons I saw to this trichotomy view was that we would then use this model of triune or like God, three in one. We would use it to see ourselves as God. But to me, this view shows me how I can have God in me like the Bible's telling me. The whole goal for me of this discussion is to show you that God is not lying when he says all things are possible. This isn't just a platitude, something that we put on the wall to make us feel better. It's true. This is fact. And once we put our faith in Jesus and his work of salvation for us, we are a new creature, constantly being renewed in our minds. I want to give you hope, my friend, no matter what you're going through in life, your God loves you. Do I believe this every day of my life? No. Nope. 
Some days I think I'm too rotten to be loved, but I'm going to tell you a little secret. The more that I am in the word of God, the less I believe that I am not loved. Because I am in the word, I know and believe that God does not lie. The word is telling my spirit this. It's like the spirit of God who is in the word is talking to my spirit. And if he's saying he loves me, he loves me. Jesus died for me. How can that not be love? So even though I do not understand the whys of any of this, I'm going to trust the one who's telling me this. I can make changes in my emotional state, my willpower, my thoughts, and my feelings because it's not I who do the work, but the one who is in me. <sighs> what a relief because honestly, I would screw it up. <laughs> the enemy, he would have us believe that we have to be good enough do enough good acts, say enough good things to receive the love of God. And my friend, do not forget, he is the father of lies. God is going to do his work in us through the power of the Holy Spirit in our spirit. This is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. He is going to do this work through that power. I hope this episode has been worth the listen and that this information has been uh, able to clear some things up for you. Maybe it's caused more questions. And if you have more questions, reach out. Let's have a discussion about this. I'd love to hear your opinions. I hope that you now see you have more power in you than you thought possible. I want you to know that you can create the mindset that you want, that God wants for you, so you can work at knowing and living in his purpose. Have a lovely day, my dear friends, and I'll chat with you later. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for being here with me, and I'm hoping that you received a word. Let me close with a passage of scripture. Rejoice in your confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. By doing this, sweet friend, you're going to find that you can take those thoughts captive and change that mindset and be anxious for nothing. Have a wonderful day, and I'll see you next time.